me read aloud for you guys. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray that, um, Holy Spirit, please give me your words to speak. And I pray that this is a message that is for you and a message that is about you, not about me, Lord. I pray that um, you open our ears and open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us through these passages. Christ's name, amen. So like you saw in that clip, treat yourself. I've kind of adapted this treat yourself mentality to my life. I even like bought a pin that says treat yourself on like a little french fry and like I pin it on my denim vest and I wear it around with pride. <laughs> but I think it's so funny and I think a lot of us can relate like yes, I wanna treat myself. Like after a good workout you're like okay, would I rather eat a salad or am I gonna treat myself to some ice cream? Ice cream's probably the answer. But we live in this way that we wanna treat ourselves to the best in what is gonna make us happy. But if we kind of look more into the treat yourself phrase, it's kind of just a nicer or a fancier way of saying to live selfishly, if we're being honest. And as I was meditating on this passage and what I was gonna speak about, I saw the contrast of selfishness. And I saw my own selfishness this week. So this week, on the 4th of July, in the evening, I got sick. I started getting a sore throat. And at first I thought nothing of it. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just drink some water. I'll be fine in the morning. So in the morning, my throat hurt so bad. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And like, okay, some of you know me. Some of you already know that I'm like kind of a baby and kind of a diva. But imagine me sick. <laughs> like when I'm sick, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I wimp around the house. Everyone in my house, Ask Dane, ask Helen, ask Katie, ask Maggie. Ask what was wrong with me. They'll say, Betsy was sick. <laughs> I will let everyone and anyone know that I don't feel well. I'll be like, oh, I don't feel good. Like, I literally turn into Finley Shumway. <laughs> I'm such, like, a little baby. So... Everyone knows I'm sick, and I demand attention, and I demand everyone to treat me nice. So if they're mean, I'm like, you have to be nice to me. I'm sick. <laughs> or my mom will go through all these hoops and jump through all these hoops to make sure I'm happy. So she's like, what do you want, sweetheart? I'm like, I want the chicken noodle soup that you really make. That's really, really good. So she had to make this chicken noodle soup. She goes out to the store. She buys me popsicles, whatever I want, because my sore throat. So... On that next day, I even had to go to work, which like heightened my whining even more because I couldn't call off. I couldn't get someone to cover my shift. 
So whiny Betsy has to walk into Artisan still pouting, and everyone at, like all my coworkers knew I was sick. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't feel good. I have a sore throat. <laughs> and so literally a barista made me a drink to stop my whining. I'm not kidding, I'm a brat. <laughs> So as I realize this, I realize how selfish I am, and hopefully I'm not the only one in the room that realizes that they're selfish. And I see selfishness being the exact opposite of what Paul is talking about in Philippians 1, 19 through 26. Let's read it one more time. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. If I were to sum up this passage in one word, it would be selfless. Paul is displaying how to be selfless in these verses. And the first way I see how Paul is being selfless is he's showing dependency. And we see that in verse 19 and 20. Look for Paul being dependent in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will, will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is showing his selflessness because he's dependent first on the prayers of others. He takes notice that others' prayers are important and that he needs them to be empowered and strengthened throughout his day. He takes time to thank the people of Philippi for their prayers and to honor their prayers. I think a lot of the times we tend to be the ones that we like to ask for prayer. We like to be the ones that's asking, do you need prayer or how can I pray for you? And typically if we get asked that question, we may say, I'm fine, I don't need any prayer right now. I'm okay, I'm good actually. Or we'll say something along the lines of, well, my neighbor's dog is sick, so you could pray for that. But those are good prayers. Pray for those prayers. But I think sometimes when we ask for prayers, we don't ask for the personal prayers. We don't ask for things that are actually affecting us, something that's personal and vulnerable. And Paul is displaying that he is dependent not only on just random prayer requests, but on prayer requests that are personal and intimate for him. He's showing selflessness because he's dependent on other people's prayers for him. He's also dependent on the Spirit's help. And I know that seems like the obvious answer, that, oh yeah, okay, yeah, Paul needed the Spirit's help, the Holy Spirit. We can move on, Betsy, we understand that. But I think sometimes we skip over the importance of we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. We see that so many times, we read that so many times that we don't even apply it to our lives today. We just glance over it and we just assume that that's how we're living. Ask yourself this morning, are you really depending on the Holy Spirit? Can you say you're living in a way that is leaning towards the Holy Spirit and its help? Are you actually doing that? 
I know for my life, I tend to grip and hold tightly to things that I want to control. Are you doing the same thing? What are you holding on to tightly and not letting go of? In order to be dependent on the Holy Spirit, you have to loosen your grip more and more so that the Holy Spirit can take control of what's in your hands. How can you do that better this morning? Paul was selfless because he was dependent on others' prayers and the Spirit's help. We also see Paul being selfless because Christ is his ultimate goal, and we see that in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So when I first read that verse, it was really hard for me to understand how to best talk about this verse. Sometimes I think the wording is a little clunky, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I spent a lot of time meditating on this verse and really trying to understand what Paul is trying to say in this verse. So let's first break this verse down. For me to live is Christ. Let's focus just on that. So for me, what is Paul saying? He's saying that there's a lot of different ways to live. But for him, he's choosing to live by Christ. What's important here is that there's a lot of different ways that we can live our lives. And this is one way that Paul is living. He's living for Christ. Are you living that way too? Can you say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain this morning? Or are you saying, for me to live is fill in the blank. For me to live is a boyfriend. For me to live is a girlfriend. For me to live is wealth. For me to live is being Instagram famous. For me to live is getting a thousand retweets. For me to live is Looking really pretty for me to live is getting the sports team, I don't know. Fill in the blank for why it works for you guys. To live is Christ is also like kind of a funny way of saying that. So I tried to focus on, okay, so Paul is saying he's living this way. To live for Christ is meaning that his life equals Christ. So everything he does, he's living for Christ. A better way to say this is, I am living for Christ. And a verse that came to mind is Galatians 2.20, which says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse adds a little light to what it means to live for Christ. Is saying that your life is no longer yours. Once you choose to follow Christ, your life isn't your own. Your life is for God. Everything you do should be to glorify God. And that's kind of a scary thing if we think about it. I think the most precious thing we have is our life. If any of you work with little kids or you babysit, you'll realize that most of the time little kids are saying mine or my. It's not hard for us to learn how to be greedy and to think that things are ours and that we're entitled to them. And a lot of the times we think that our life, like we're entitled to whatever we want to do for whatever we want to choose to do to be happy. And Paul is saying that he has a different perspective than what the world is telling us to. 
He's saying that my life is not my own. I'm going to choose to be selfless in my life. He's giving up the most precious thing that he has. And he's choosing to do it and follow Christ. So that's the first part of this verse. The second part is, and to die is gain, which is another weird wording, I think. Because to add death and gain in the same sentence, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because the word gain in this verse has a positive connotation to it. So gain is a good thing. So it's saying that death is a good thing. And I think in our society, in our world, that doesn't make sense at all. When is death ever a good thing? If you play a video game and you die, does that mean you win? No, it means you lose. It's not a good thing. Death is never a good thing in our society. But why is Paul saying that to die is gain? Why is he saying that death is a good thing? And the only reason that death is positive is because of Christ. It's because of his life is for Christ. Paul knew that death can be celebrated and be a good thing as long as we have Christ. What makes this verse so mind-blowing is that when Christ is our ultimate goal, life is like the prologue while death is like the beginning of the book. With Christ, it's not the end. And that's what Paul is referring to. It's a good thing. Heaven is an amazing thing. It's a great thing. It's the best thing. Paul's words are describing a life that it doesn't matter if he died or if he lived. Either way, he was going to glorify God. And that's what Paul is basically trying to tell us in this verse. Is that he's going to glorify God whether he lives or whether he dies. So how can that apply to us today? Well, a simple question is, how can you glorify God today in your own life, whether you're having a good day or a bad day? Figure out how to glorify God in everything you do. If you're choosing to live as Paul is choosing to live, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, how can you do that to glorify God? How can you glorify God on your sports team? Or how can you glorify God when you're interacting with your parents or your friends? How can you glorify God when school starts? Or how can you glorify God when you're hanging out with your friends or doing something really fun? Everything you do can glorify God. And that's one of the ways that Paul is being selfless in this. So first, Paul was selfless because he was dependent on others' prayers and the Spirit's help. Paul was also showing selflessness because Christ was his ultimate goal. And the last way Paul was being selfless was that he was giving up what he wanted for another's best. And this is displayed in verse 22 through 26, which reads, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you have, may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul is between two options at this point. 
One option is what he truly wants, and that's to be with Christ. That means he wants to be in heaven instead of being in prison. And the other option is to remain on earth and to minister to other people on the earth. And Paul is saying that he, both options are good, but he would rather be in heaven, but he's going to choose to remain on earth and help others. Paul is being selfless because he's rejecting what he truly wants to do and choosing to do something for others that will benefit someone else. So a way to be selfless is doing something that another for another person. And a person I think of doing this a lot is uh, Annie. I work with her at Artisan. She's a person that always is giving up what she wants to do in order to serve someone else. So at Artisan, we both, Annie and I, work in the kitchen. And one of the jobs that we have to do is cleaning out the dishwashing sink at the end of the night. So as you can imagine, that's, like, pretty nasty. There's, like, bits of food and unidentified substances in there. And basically, you just have to reach your hand in and, like, pull it out and throw it in the trash can. So I hate that job because it's disgusting. And Annie, without fail, if I ever work with her, she will always clean out the dishwashing sink. She will always do it. And I'll be like, no, Annie, I'll got, I got it. You did it last week. I'll do it. And her response is always, no, you hate doing it. I'm going to do it for you. Annie's not this weird person that she just likes getting her hand in that nasty water. Annie's choosing to do it because she loves me enough that she wants to serve me and do something for me. Annie's being selfless in this. And I think that's a great example of being selfless. And I think a lot of times that's really hard to know how to do in our lives today. So how many times have you guys, like, done that this week? Not, like, cleaned out a dishwashing sink. I hope you guys didn't do that. But, like, been selfless enough to do something for someone else. And at least for me, I know it's sometimes hard to think of examples that I did this week of being selfless, of, like, choosing to do something I didn't want to do for someone else. It's hard to come up with examples. I might have one. Can you guys say the same? What have you done this week? What have you guys done already today to be selfless to someone else? What have you done for your parents? I think parents are a perfect example of always doing this. Parents are constantly being selfless and doing things for us. I think a lot of the times, as kids, we don't react to that. We don't do that. We don't do the same for our parents. We don't do, we don't, choose to be selfless because they're our parents or whatever. I don't know. But how can you do that this week for your parents? Or maybe even your friends or your grandparents or coworkers? How can you try to do that this week? So Paul displayed selflessness because first he was dependent on other people's prayers and the spirit. Paul also lived in a way that was for Christ. And Paul was selfless because he chose to do things for other people. So putting this all together, can we say that Paul had a treat-yourself mentality? Did he think that way? The answer probably is no. But when I think about it, I can see it being yes. So hear me out. I think Paul actually did have a treat-yourself mentality 
Because what he considered a treat or what he considered a good thing isn't what the world considers a good thing. If we read this passage, if we listen to Paul's tone of voice in this, we see that Paul isn't distraught because of his decision. He doesn't think that this was a lesser decision. He's happy that he chose to live in this selfless way. He has joy in that. He has joy because he's choosing to sacrifice his own wants, his own desires in his heart, and choosing to follow Christ instead. And Paul isn't sad about that. He's happy that he's doing that. So I think in that way, Paul can have a treat yourself mentality. Or he could be happy in that. And I think we can too. We can find ways that our best and what we want in life can reflect what God wants in life. So wrapping this all up, the final thing I want to say is that we can delight in the Lord. We can be selfless, but ultimately we can delight in the Lord. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, I thank you that you are able to bring joy to us even when it's confusing or when we don't understand it. And I thank you that the joy that you give isn't something that the world sees. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for um, all these students, Lord. I pray that you teach us how to be selfless in this, and I pray that you teach us how to live in a way that can sacrifice our lives to live for you, Lord. I thank you for your love, and thank you so much, Christ Christ.